This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. Now, today, I'm joined with the founder of Top Step, Michael Patak. Hello, Michael. Hey, Eddie. How are we doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm glad that you uh, came to this uh, podcast. We've got somebody very special here today, uh, Trent Clark. Trent, a leader, speaker, facilitator, trusted advisor, and check this out, a coach for three Major League World Series teams. He's a courage coach uh, leading with Courage Academy. Yeah, you know what's really cool about this? We use analogies, uh, the uh, baseball analogy all the time with trading. So this uh, podcast, this session with Trent, is something I'm going to really be kind of tweaking my ears uh, listening to and, and how this connects uh, with uh, the professionals that uh, play in the major leagues uh, of baseball. And there's the professionals that play in the major leagues of trading. So how are we going to put all these together? I think we're going to find that out here very soon. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I know we've been working together for a long time. And uh, we've always incorporated the professional sport aspect uh, with trading because, you know, you do uh, entail that high stress level. Mm -hmm. um, you do entail that uh, reward afterwards if, if he had a good performance. So this uh, this is going to add up. And uh, I hope that uh, everybody uh, gets some positive vibes off this one. Now, Mike, in trading, we got a lot of stress and anxiety. And as many do, as we talk about professional and upcoming traders, probably upcoming traders even more. Now, we both have shared our ideas and teaching in relation to professional sports. Well, you know what? The the, the uh, professional sports side of like baseball is the chip. We, I've always used the line chip away, chip away, chip away. And that's kind of anything you do in life is you want to be chipping away at. You see this huge challenge that you have to overcome. Uh, you know, that's something that you want to just chip away at. So small, you know, the base hits win ball games. That's base something hit, we still hit, always say. Hit, right. and, and in trading, you know, just getting on base and, and trading, getting on base is, is in, in my head, it was always, and I always preach this too, is scratching a trade was getting on base. Uh, profiting on a trade was getting on base. And these are are all positive things. They move you in the right direction, whether that's getting your head back straight confidence wise, or whether it's putting up some serious uh, points or scores or dollars that day. And that's the exciting part about having Trent here is to see how uh, the professional side of baseball and the, the way that they go about approaching the game uh, could be, and it's very similar to how traders go about approaching the, the markets. Right. One of the only things that I probably, at least I would hope that traders don't see is uh, them trading in front of millions of people watching, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the hecklers and, and all. But you never know. Somebody might be behind you uh, tapping on the shoulder saying, make money, make money, make money, because there's a significant other or family. And, and right. that's that, it's a quiet heckler that you might have in your family. And uh or your subconscious, uh, but we all have that the the heckler in our head of some sort. So uh, there's so much to take from this, and they play at a high, high level. Ball players play Super at a high, high level, right. and and not everybody can play at that league, and not everybody can trade consistently and profitably. But 
if you do the discipline, if you put your mind to it, and if you focus every single day, you can find your swim lane, call it 20 grand a year or 200 grand a year or 2 million a year, find out where you play and what level you play at and go have fun and, and, and play it. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, exciting to have Trent come on and, and, and talk about this. Well said, Mike. Well said. All right, Mike. Um, let's fire it up. Let's get it going here. This is my conversation with Trent Clark. Serving over 10 years in professional baseball as director for human performance development with the Detroit Tigers, two-time American League champion Cleveland Indians, and the world champion Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. His development management, mentorship training, and leadership education came directly under coaching greats as Sparky Anderson, Tom Izzo, Nick Saban, Mike Sosha, and Joe Madden, just to name a few. Owner, investor, and entrepreneur organization member, a global contributor for member of EO and the World President's Organization Mentorship Program, leader, speaker, facilitator, trusted advisor, three Major League Baseball World Series, Courage Coach Leading with Courage Academy. Would you please welcome Trent Clark? All right. Thanks, Eddie. I'm excited to be aboard. Uh, I am uh, I am excited to talk with traders and uh, and that fast paced world of trading, man, and uh, and also the fast paced of hurry up and wait, which we all <laughs> know too well in athletics, right? You got that right, and and you know they coincide so well together. Uh, you know, before we uh, started the podcast here, I know that we talked a lot, and and there's a lot of communication that we consider. Uh, being in a professional sport is mirrored to being a professional trader. There's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, uh, you know, knowing when to uh, accept a loss, you know, um, running with the wind. There's a lot going on here, and I really appreciate you coming on here, Trent. Well, thank you, Eddie. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on, and I'll tell you that uh, I, ho I hope it is a perfect podcast. I, I, I know probably enough about trading to be dangerous. I certainly have a portfolio, <laughs> and I leave it up to the experts because I'm not qualified. But uh, I, will deal, I, I will tell you, I think I understand a little bit about uh, the pressures that anyone's going through. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a team sport and an individual sport at the same time, right? There's a lot of self-responsibility, uh, yet there's a lot of responsibility for others riding on uh, your work and your efforts. So I really get that, and, and that's uh, a little bit of certainly where I've spent my time with the top 1% who, who deal in these high-level trading and the stresses and the things that kind of go on that, which is what happens in the athletic world, which is high stress. There's a lot of people riding on you. So uh, I think there's, there's some good correlation, I think. Awesome. All right. Well, let's step in the batter's box and let's start this off. Now, first question, Trent, is, as I was reading your profile, profile mentioned that uh, growing up, you had uh, career dreams. Of course, just like many little boys, uh, being a fireman, a policeman, a pro athlete, but what actually surfaced was a career as a dream maker. Trent, share with us how you came about being a dream maker. Okay, great. So, so very interesting story. When I'm going to give you the quick version. So, when I was 12, I had this career day at school, which was to tell me, like, hey, what a what are you going to be when you're 30 years old? And when I was 12, the, the song of the year was Party Like It's 1999 by Prince, right? Oh, yeah. right. And so it was like, you know, that was the era, man. It was like, uh, it was uh, fun. It was about 1982. And uh, when I turned 30, 
it was uh, going to be 1999, as a matter of fact. So, um, so it was a very interesting time in my life. I, I took this assignment of Career Week very seriously uh, because my my older brother was a college hockey player. My next brother was a highly recruited football player, and right in the middle of recruiting, where these famous coaches would come to our living room and ask my brother to come to school, and my sister had just been named. Miss Michigan teen. And I thought, man, I'm better than all these guys. I'm going to be a pro baseball player. Right. So here I was probably turning in my, uh, my sheet here of my goals to be a pro baseball player. And of course that also, um, that also looks like, uh, where it's, uh, where probably every boy in the class was either a policeman, fireman or pro athlete, right. Kind of turning in their thing. So, but, you know, a couple of things happened along the way for me as I, as I took that journey, which was a couple of people stepped in and mentored me and, and became, I, I ended up searching for people that would help me. And I learned a valuable lesson along that way, which was uh, to, to really get advice and listen to the folks who really were in the know, like talk to experts in that field. There was all sorts of people who told me, no way, you'll never be in pro, athlete, pro sports. You're too small. You're not fast enough. You're not this, you're not that. But then when I got a couple of people and I actually had one guy who was a, was a former player who ran a camp and he was the first one who sat me down, asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, Hey, I want to do what you did. And he said, Hey, you can do that. And that's when I started believing because now someone who knew was telling me that. Right. So then I went on through, made a bunch of decisions based on those goals. I set. I never thought about them again. And then, and then uh, at least I never saw them again. I thought about them probably a lot, but I never saw them again. Right. And, and then uh, I, I went in, I played college baseball and tennis at the University of Toledo, went on, uh, got hurt when I was about 22 years old. I, I pivoted and became a coach. And so I never played in the major league. I ended up coaching for the Tigers at Michigan State, for the Indians, of course, and then a long time with the Los Angeles Angels and, and blessed with the World Series. But what, what happened was that 23, 24 years old was when I, when I became a coach, I recognized that like I still had my dreams to win a world championship and all that. And I'd been a part of a couple really good teams as a kid and things, but now it was on the big stage. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I realized that 25 years old in 1995, I was sitting in the world series with the Cleveland Indians. I was coaching for them. And I was just thinking like, you know, 13 years ago, I was a kid running around my backyard going, you know, bottom of the ninth, you know, World <laughs> right. Series, you know, and all of a sudden right. here I am looking at all these other boys who are now young men and they were doing the exact same thing, but they're living the dream. And all of a sudden, like I became this dream maker. Like I get to, I get to provide dreams for all these people who go, Hey, I want to be a major league player. I want to make this money. I want to make my parents proud. All these things that they wanted and their goals were, and that became a real uh, something I could identify with. Like, yeah, listen, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you make your dreams come true, man. But you got to put in the work. You got to do the time and effort. But if you listen to me, I can help you because I know what it takes. And so that's how I pivoted to become a dream maker, right? You know, Trent, you mentioned that uh, you, you had a sports career, things were going really good, and, mm -hmm. and then you got hurt. Mm -hmm. What was your mindset on that? Now, before we go there, I just want to say you did the right thing. I got to give you some props on that for finding another venue of the same dream that you had. But what was your mindset after that? How long did it take you to get that back in gear and say, hey, you know what? I can still pursue this career. Yeah, I mean, I thought like, you know, I was pretty I was 
I was a bubble guy, right? Like I was, I was a pretty good college player. I, I would have been a lot better <laughs> under the new mit, uh, matrix, right? Of, of all the numbers now, I would have been a more highly sought after guy the way they're looking at numbers now, but they weren't then. So then I was too small. I didn't fit the prototype. Um, I didn't have the, the home run totals for my position that they like. So the different statistics that they were looking at were tough. The other thing that was probably, uh, because it was still a dream of mine and I love the competition part, it was really easy for me to pivot because I, I had a couple of these great mentors and, you know, I, I remember thinking like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be good enough to be in the big leagues, but I'll tell you what I was, I was tired of being beat up. I was broken. I was doing so much work just to compete with the top level athletes that um, I felt like I was top level, but I know that physically I was giving up a lot. I had to overcome a lot of things physically with the street smarts, the savvy, the perseverance, you know, all the other things. Right. So I spent a ton of time in the training room, you know, being beat up. So when I pivoted, I was at a point where I was pretty tired. I mean, I was playing games and then couldn't wash my hair after because my arm was just that bad. And so sore. So it was, it was, you know, a natural transition for me in, in, in that way that I was, I thought I was ready and I wasn't sure that I was ever going to be a, a $5 million a year earner on the big leagues. I thought like I could make it and I thought I could play at that level, but you know, it was still undetermined and, uh, and it made a, a natural pivot for me. And at the time I, I felt somewhat okay with giving up, you know, three to four hours of physical prep work a day just to compete. I mean, so I, I felt, I felt okay with it, I think, but it was tough. It was a tough decision. Right. Now, now making decisions and uh, obviously you had that uphill climb uh, to the promised land. Now a career in trading, right? Uh, sort of, we relate uh, pro sports, professional trading, a lot of relationship uh, with, with both. Now, as far as that uphill climb, being a trader from day one, uh, what could you share that will help on the long trek uh, to the promised land of success? How can we help ourselves? Yeah, I, I think like one is, is a fact, like when you think about, you know, these overnight sensations that we always hear about someone going fast and discovering, you know, the technology company at 25 years old, well, you know, there's also, there's that 10,000 hour rule again, right? Like, it's like, hey, these kids have been tinkering around computers since they were 12 years old, 10 years old. Right. Like, they, this isn't new to them. They've listened, they've learned the back end of computers since, you know, now 10, 11, 12 years. And, and we know like, like 10,000 hours in a company, that's, that's the equivalent of 40 hours a week for five years just to be, just to be focused on one thing. To make you an expert, right? So, so a lot of people come to me and they go, um, they, they grab like my world championship ring. I show it to people all the time. Say, yeah, I take a picture. <laughs> but when they hold it, they go, oh my gosh, that thing is so heavy. The weight of this thing. And I'm like, oh yeah. So I have a talk that I do called the weight of the ring, right? But it's also not just W E I G H T, but also W A I T. It's the weight of the ring. Guess Makes what? Sense. I didn't just show up. And go, hey, listen, man, I, I think I should be a, 
uh, be here and I'm a pretty good coach. So, man, I had to work at it, right? Like I, I started coaching when I was 15 years old. I started coaching tennis to make extra money. So when I hit the World Series in 1995 for the first time, I'd been coaching kids for 10 years in tennis, baseball, basketball, recreationally. I got a college degree in physical education and health and science. Uh, you know, I had done a bunch of prep work to know a lot about the human body and what was about to happen and kind of preparing that, right? So there was all sorts of stuff that comes in. And that's why everyone goes, oh, this guy's in, he's an overnight success. Yeah, an overnight success that's been studying his butt off or, or, or playing the violin for eight hours a day for the last five years. You know, like, I mean, there's no overnight successes, man. I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a grind and people got to recognize like I am on a journey and, and man, I got to soak up that journey. The tough thing is, is like, Hey, I want to be at the end of the journey right now. If we don't, we don't enjoy the journey as we go. It's a hard road, but if we're enjoying the successes that we get and the steps that we're taking and enjoying that journey, just like people enjoy their time through a company and going through management and getting another promotion and all those little victories, those are big things on the journey to to the CEO spot or or to being a top level trader. You got to go through your steps to be that guy. Yeah, you mentioned the 10K, and that's exactly what we talk about here. Ten thousand hours dedicated, committed, do the work, and then you're, you're going to see success. But um, you know, mentioning baseball, you know, little league. It's a very long time. When you know most of these ball players, I'm going to say what 95 percent started in little league, 90 percent maybe, uh, maybe picked some up in high school and and then caught on really good and and had that natural born talent uh, to progress. So I mean, it's 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 a matter of if you want it, you got to go and get it. Yep. Now I agree. Now Trent. Um, Talking about goals, targets, objectives, we all need uh, to set these and, and, you know, don't set the bar too high, but uh, if your bar is set too high, break it down. So there's, there's steps, there's uh, different levels before you hit these bigger targets. Now we have these and some may be more of a battle than others. Trent, let me ask you, how can we as humans gain traction towards our goals of life and fulfillment. Okay, great. I, I love this question because, I mean, it, one, it's not easy, right? Uh, but I like, like, to me, goals are set now in shorter periods. I remember, like, when I first started doing goals, I was like, all right, what's your 10-year goal? I thought, man, like, 10 wow. years, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do Saturday. <laughs> right, like, right. Like, this, is, this, is, this seems so far out because the world moves so fast. I think we have a little bit of a shorter vision. And I, and I do like, uh, you know, I like what Gates said about goals. He said, you know, you, I, people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they highly underestimate what they can do in 10. Right. So, so it's a matter, it's a matter of like, okay, how do we develop a plan? Uh, so, so for me, I always, you know, when people are talking about how do I kind of self-govern, I tell people a lot, Hey, there are two pains in this life, right? The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Choose. Which one do you want? Like, cause you're, you were, you were going to have pain. If you've got good goals and you're a dreamer and, and I, I highly encourage it, right? If you're a dreamer, there are going to be pain. You will make sacrifices. Talk to anyone who's at the top. Guess what? They sacrifice some things, right? So is it, 
the pain of discipline. You talk to anyone who didn't reach what they wanted to reach, who fell short, that, that, by the way, they got pain too. They're happy to sit there on the edge of, end of a bar stool and tell you all about their regrets. You know what I should have done? You know what I could have done? I would have. There should have, could have, would have. And it's pain. You can hear it. And, and sometimes they're drowning it, right? In, in medication because the pain's too high of their errors, right? But so I'll, you're going to get pain. Pain of discipline is very short term, right? You feel it like you go to a workout, right? All right. Mm-hmm. It's a little pain. Pain of regret lasts with you. It's very long because it stays with you. It, it eats at you. So for me, when I'm, when I'm talking about goals, I set goals. I like, I like uh, my clients to set goals in one, three, and five-year plan. And, and with a lot of the focus on the one year and pivot and adjust the three and five years at, at each annual, right? Because each quarter kind of sets up that one year. We can look out three months and we can see like, hey, what do I need to accomplish in these next 90 days? So I want to set that goal and expectation for the long term of the year. And every time I set that quarter, I'm looking out at my one year, but I'm setting down the action items of what's going to get me there in this quarter that's going to move me to the next quarter, that's going to move me to the third quarter, that's going to move me to the fourth quarter. So I can bite that down into four bites of chunks I'm going to take on. Now, when I look at that, every activity should be related to my quarterly goal because I know it steps into my annual goal, right? So I get into my expectations. It's got to be just beyond your comfort level. Like, I, I mean, it's got to be a stretch. You, if you don't feel uncomfortable in your goals, I don't think you're challenging yourself enough. Um, what I've found in like great coaches, they set expectations relatively high. I watch people try to do everything they can to meet that as they watch their leader do the same. And sometimes we fall short, right? There's gap. But, right. you know, when you're, setting, when you're setting goals for the moon and you land amongst the stars, that's all right. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, but, but when I set people to set low expectations, um, I find that they also will stop at those. They'll meet them and they won't go beyond often. They'll meet them. Okay, I'm good here. I don't have to do more because the boss doesn't expect more. So they all of a sudden turn their attentions to other things. And often they're things that detract from making them better. Um, for me, in, in, when you look at those goals and life of familiar, I, I always encourage people to get a, get a mentor, get somebody who around them that has gone. There's a, there's a lot of unfamiliar terrain in, in reaching big goals, right? We don't know how to get there. So when I was 12 years old and I said, Hey, I want to, I want to be in the major leagues. Like I didn't know how to get there. I just knew what I wanted to do. Right now I had to go back and figure out how to get there. And I went through all sorts of unfamiliar terrain. And what I found was when I could talk to people that were in the know, it wasn't unfamiliar to them. They were like, hey, this is what's going to happen next. And they start telling me like what I need to prepare for, what's going to happen. How does this look for a scout that you need to show up as, right? Like simple things like for an athlete, right? Shave your face when you're going to see scouts. You don't want to be a 17-year-old that looks fully mature because they don't think you're going to ever get better. They think you're at full physical maturity. So they're concerned that this is as good as it gets. And little and kids don't know that. They think like, no. well, you know, it's cool. I look cool in high school and the girls think I'm mature because I got a beard. I'm like, well, the scouts don't. They think you're mature and you're not gonna get any better. So I have a baby face. They think like, oh, so much more potential in that guy. So much more potential. See, so, now real quick, there you go. For those listening, I would have never thought of that. That's right. something that uh, you know puts you in a class where, you know, all these little terms and uh, little things that you need to know. That's right. There's those little things you need to know, just like in your business. There's tons of the little things you need to know, right? And so 
when I want to go and, and, and I want to learn all those things, I know I can't handle them all at one time. But if I have a person who knows when I run into this unfamiliar train, like, oh, I should have known that. And they're like, yeah, you should have known that. But let me tell you, you didn't. You, you, you dust yourself off. You learn from it. Hey, you win or you learn, right? There's no win or lose. If, if you win, great. Celebrate that victory and get ready for the next one, right? Do the shampoo treatment. Wash, re well, wash, rinse, repeat, right? right? Do the things that got you those wins. But it, but if you didn't win, you better learn. Because if you don't learn, you do lose. So you win or you learn. And you got to make that choice. You get a bad trade. Things didn't go the right way. What did you learn? Go back and go back to the tapes, right? Review the tapes. But when you win, celebrate the victories along those ways. Get those mini rewards and, and share them. Like share them with others. Get involved. Share them with your mentor. Share them with your family. Share them with your friends. Because that keeps you driven, keeps right. you motivated. I, you, Trent, that's great advice. And uh, you do need that that time of celebration where you can pat yourself on the ass and say, you know what, I did good today. It's going to build confidence. It's going to propel you into the next trade day or the next trade. But the thing is, we always got to remember that uh, uh, the ego sometimes can bite into success and mm -hmm. it might it might the ego might get just a little too big where uh now you're uh you're the teflon don and uh you know then you need to be humbled but if you're if you're determined and, and you do want it as you mentioned prior uh, a mentor a coach uh, you know when i when i was in crossfit i really didn't know what to expect. I knew it was exercise at its finest. But when you had that coach there going, come on, 30 more seconds. Come on, push it, push it. You got 20 more to do, 10 more to 15, 10 more. And, and it was like, when you were done with that, it's like, boy, I got my ass handed to me. But you know what? I did it. I completed it. And, and you feel good about it. You want to do it again. So as you mentioned, having that mentor, having that coach, it's a must-have if you have that determination to go all the way, not just half-ass, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, jack-of-all-trades, master to none. That mm -hmm. doesn't right. cut it. I, I agree. Now, uh, Trent, stress, being a professional athlete, being a trader, uh, if there was no stress, gosh, we'd all do it. Um, but sometimes, you know, I'm watching the TV and, and I see this, you know, bottom of the ninth, uh, they're down by a, or they're up by a run. Pitcher's on the mound. You know, I'm just going, this poor pitcher, uh, you know, second and third, they pull him out of the bullpen and he's got to get this next guy out. All right. Stress level, you know, is just so high. Self-sabotage is rampant in trading and in pro sports. Now, you've dealt with many professional athletes and help those who were in fact troubled and buried in stress and pressure. What are some of the first things you look for in a troubled athlete? So, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly there's a lot of that going on. Right? There's a lot of stress. I, 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 the first thing, you know, is to know your, know yourself, know yourself, know the people around you and have someone who knows you well, because you want to understand like, how do I act? under stress like when i am under stress and what does that look like like does it do i amp up the anger do i get louder do i recluse or withdraw like uh do i get more anxious and anxiety get nervous um do i worry do i get sleepless 
So, so you have some understanding of like, if, if I'm stressed, what that look like? people ask me all the time, like, you know, I can remember watching because I coach with Nick Saban, right? Like they were talking about a big game of the Alabama. Those like, they go, man, those kids have to be so nervous. You know, like it's the right. big game, so much hype. Right. And you know, they are, they are just, you know, they're, they're, they don't sleep well a couple of nights before you have to plan for that actually. And, um, <clears throat> but there's just this adrenaline that, that goes and there's a nervous excitement. And, and, but once it gets going, uh, you know, you know exactly what to do. You, you've got the hours in, right? You, you are an expert at what you've done and you know what you need to do. So, so, so the key thing is and once it goes, how do I get very focused, very focused on my job responsibilities? Because if I'm staying down, right, my, my head down on what I can do, what, what makes a difference? What are the key three things I do, need to do right here? Like, just like you said, uh, we talked a little bit before about this, where, you know, when you have like, uh, the stress, like, it's really great to put people in situations, uh, even mock situations under stress. It's not going to be exactly the same, right? It's hard to recreate that, but putting them in situations and putting them under some stress and saying, okay, if this happens, what are you going to do? So right. understanding, um, so, so with that first, Let's talk about knowing, okay, how do I act under stress? So I know I am under stress, all right? Because sometimes it creeps in and we don't know that the stress is, go, is going up. A close friend, a, a significant other, they're letting you know why you seem stressed. That's good, okay? Now I know, now I want to find out what's the triggers and what gets me there. What just happened to trigger my stress, right? Is it, is it the nerve of, I've, I've traded maybe a little bit over my step. Have I got too much on the line? Did I maybe, you should have pulled back and traded less. Like, am I in an uncomfort zone? What have I done for myself that created that, right? And so that's an issue. Now, those, those, those triggers of the stress, like that, that I can control, um, like attempting to do too much, a lack of sleep, uh, too much, uh, alcohol or something in your system, lack of exercise, poor diet, like all the things you get to control that you don't do and you bring that stress on yourself. Tough. Right. The other thing I tell a lot of people about pressure, you know, pressure self-applied, right? Like as you look at like, um, you know, you watch these baseball playoffs that are going on right now, right? And someone comes in in this high pressure situation, the crowd's going crazy and you're just thinking like, Holy goodness, this is crazy, right? And and exactly. it's nuts. But somewhere in the world, someone's just at a cash register cashing out like their dinner for the night or buying some Fruit Loops, right? Like they don't have pressure. <laughs> they don't have, so like, so why is there so much pressure just in this situation? And uh, one of the greatest ones I ever saw was um, in the 2002 World Series. Uh, Garrett Anderson was up to bat. And it was, it was, it was, we were behind. It was like the biggest at bat probably of his life at the time. And, uh, he had like a two, two count and he stepped out and he yawned. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Is this like boring you? Because like yeah. the whole stadium, cool. you know, the, cool. the, right. yeah, the sticks are going, the thunder sticks. I mean, the place is nuts and he's yawning. And I thought, you got to be kidding. And so I could not wait to get to this guy, uh, alone. And he was like, you know, I was feeling some pressure. And so I know that if I yawn, yawning relaxes the body. He's exactly right. right. This is why so many people take a step out, take a deep breath into your nose. And your nose has a natural filter, right? You have nose hairs. It filters oxygen and gives you pure oxygen to your blood. If you're sitting there stressed in your chair and you're going trades on the line, push the chair back and take a deep breath into your nose, out through your mouth, like for literally 
three to five minutes and your body will relax. Like it, it, it has a response system to it. Your body is built for it and it'll relax your body, but you've got to be able to take a step back and relax the body, right? So the big thing is for me is understanding pressure self-applied, understanding what the triggers are, knowing when the triggers are what you got you there, and then being able to, to take a step back and get out of that pressure uh, and get out of that stress and then taking that back into center yourself, right? So, so catch it when it's coming on. Using your coping skills are very important. Exercise, meditation, you listen to music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love the affirmation page. Um, and anything like, you know, I, I don't know if you're not affirmation page. An affirmation page, I remember reading the story of, an, uh, of a nun back in elementary school. and Their kids were like fourth, fifth grade. And she had all the children write down everybody's name. Tom, Bobby, Susie, Danny. Great. And so everyone did. And then she gave, and he said, tell one thing about Eddie that you love. Oh, just wonderful guy, like great personality, um, very personable, friendly, you know, great smile, like all these things. Like, so we all put that, like the teacher put that in for Susie, right? Like, hey, here's what everyone says about you, Susie. And so Susie reads her list and she's like, holy cow, man, like, I am awesome. Like, look at this, mm-hmm. right? And so I, and so what fast forward, this was back in, in, in the fifties. And so, uh, 10 years later in Vietnam, a boy is killed and on his wallet in his back pocket pulls out the affirmation page from that nun. He carried it in his wallet, right? Like, like this was some, I'm in, I'm in the middle of war, man. And he was looking at this thing every night. This is who I am. I'm not this guy. I'm not the killer. I'm not the soldier. This is who I really am. Right. And so the, so the author of that went back to that elementary school and found out like six other kids carried that every day in their twenties, that affirmation page. That's like, amazing. Yeah. You yeah. got to find something. You got to find something like, Hey, I, I need to jump out of this stress. I need to jump out. Is it, is it, is it the movie? Like I love Rudy, right? Like he's, he's an overcomer, man. It's right. a great movie. Like it feels eat better. You know, here's a, here's a big one that I advise people all the time. Go help somebody. It is, you know, you know how hard it is to feel bad about yourself when you're helping somebody. And someone goes, "Oh my gosh, Eddie, thank you for helping me. I can't believe you were here to help. That was just so valuable to me. You are, you are such a good person for coming and doing this for us. Thank you so much." How do you feel bad about yourself when something happens like that? Right. You see, it's positive things. It's that PMA, positive mental attitude, that can get you out of that hole. And uh, no I'm glad you brought that up. You know, one of the things a lot of people say, you know, when you're, when you're telling them this is, you know, uh, it's easy to say, it's so hard to do, which in fact it is, but you got to find that comfort zone, that, that zone where, uh, you know, I can excel here. It doesn't have to be pedal to the metal. Uh, you can be tapping that gas, uh, but as long as you're moving forward, even if it's baby steps, one of, one of the, uh, the, the quotes, that I really like, and and coming from Chicago here, our, our, our great comedian uh, that the world loves, Bill Murray. Uh, Bill Murray uh, quote: "The more relaxed you are, the better you are at everything. The better you are with your loved ones, the better you are with your enemies, the better you are with your job, and the better you are with yourself." And it's, I mean, that hits home. It's like. If you can be happy in a position where you are, um, you know, in a position, uh, you know, being on a professional team or, or just getting the opportunity 
to be there or getting the opportunity to trade, putting some winning trades, uh, cashing that check. I mean, put yourself in a situation where you can win. Mm-hmm. Now, um, helping yourself. Trent, do you have a program that uh, someone can follow to improve oneself both physically and mentally? And if you do, can you break it down in detail for us? Yeah, so I do. I do have folks, you know, a, a plan that I work with p- two people, you know, and it always starts with self-awareness. And I think, you know, what you said is a great thing. Like, be relaxed in who you are. By the way, have you ever been around a relaxed person that you didn't feel like, wow, that was really cool to be around Jim or Diane today? Like, just a nice person. And, and, and you also relaxed people exude confidence, right? Because you got to be confident to be relaxed. So I think there's real value in that. Okay. So, so when I look at like self-awareness, I look at like, you know, everybody's not good at everything. I do a test around the nine behaviors of leadership all the time for, you know, the top 1%, executives, business owners, equity partners, all these folks that I work with regularly. And I want to give them information about themselves and they find out in inevitably, like they have a couple blind spots as leaders and they're not, they're not like terrified by it like it's all right like it's like i'm not going to be good at everything in fact of the nine the averages average executive has like 2.7 blind spots right almost three that they're really not good at so if that's my situation i might surround myself with you know other people that are good at those things right so if i'm not good at that but hey eddie's on my team and eddie's good at that so when that rears its head and i need to be better in that situation i either go to eddie and say eddie hey how could i be better at this because i'm having a challenge with my group here and can you help me because i know you're great at it then i also spend time on uh vision work right and getting very descriptive of how that looks like if i want to be physically and mentally where i want to be like how's that look how's it look in my daily life like so so this way if i know what that's supposed to look like and how i want it to be at least I'll know when I've arrived, right? Like, does that mean like I, I get to sleep in until 7.30? Or does that mean I got to be up at 5.30 exercising and doing my thing and being ready at 6.30 to start looking at my research and 7.30, you know, I, I'm getting ready for the opening bell and things, things that may be coming on, right? So whatever their case, um, so you got to consider those things. The other things in, in your quarterlies, like when we talk about goal, I write down three things I'm going to take action and do uh, for each of my blind spots that it's going to, Fit, fit into my goals, right? Like, so how's it going to fit into the goals and how am I going to take action on those things? So if one of my goals is to be, let's say a, a better listener. Uh, okay. So how's that fit into my goals? Like I'm going to read a couple things about listening and I'm going to read some, an article about listening once a week. I'm going to take my personal self-evaluation on what kind of listener am I? And I'm going to go look to improve that score in the next 60 days by doing this and taking steps, personal steps of sitting down and being able to sit down with someone, discuss that, and then recite what I heard. Driving at that listening exercise, being able to actually pick that up. Because as I become a really good listener, I get a lot more information. I make a lot better decisions, right? So so, so those are things I I, want to do. Then I build the cadence into my schedule for when I do things, right? And set it in. Oh, Trent, Finding yourself behind the eight ball, a lot of us do that just in normal life. Uh, careers, it's a little bit more of pressure. The world's against you. What would you say to a professional athlete who is on a horrific slump? 
Yeah, it's it's uh, so common, right? Like, uh, and I've watched confidence leave people's bodies. <laughs> like, I've actually visibly seen it, right? And uh, and, and sports and, and trading is very much alike, and it's a confidence game. And confidence is key. So how, how do I do that? If, if things aren't going my way, so it's a very tough place to be in, first of all, but there's lots of things to do. First of all, I want to take assessment of where I'm at. So one of the things I got to do is I got to review the tapes and, and what's causing that. Maybe what got me here, like what, what's happening. The other thing I want to review is when things were going well and when things are really going well, right down in those moments, like why is it so great right now? Why are, why are things so good? Like, man, my trades are hitting, right? Like, is it because I'm so well prepared? Is it because I know the information? Is it because I learned the system better? Is it because I have better intuition from experience? Is it because I'm more relaxed? Like, is it because I'm taking better care of myself? And I'm like, my mind is clear. I am focused. I have better focus. All those things. So understand why. And when it's going good, you know, you review the tape. Um, the other thing is when you're in a like spend time with encouragers, right? Like spend time with people that lift you up, make you better, make you feel good about you, whether it's trading or whether it's just you being you. Be around the people that actually make you feel special, make you feel loved. Those are, those are critical things. And then uh, get back to fundamentals. I mean, when things aren't going great, like, listen, you know, it's the old adage, right? It's blocking and tackling, like, that wins games. Like, you got to know the little things that actually – Set you up to win. That's something that, uh, you know, we need to keep. It's, it's a basic, but it's so important that, uh, you know, we remind ourselves about that. Now, let's segue to confidence, okay? Building confidence, picking ourselves up off the ground, dusting ourselves off, and going back again. We have to build confidence in order to take those steps forward. Now, can we pick ourselves up and move forward? Yeah, I think, I think we can. I think it's harder to do on your own, right? I think, I think you can. Um, and, and, you know, certainly like, uh, in, in the individual sports, this is why I love the individual sports, right? Because, you know, you go out there and you get your butt kicked on the wrestling mat, like, who are you going to blame, right? Like you got to literally pick yourself up and go, man, I, I don't want that to happen again. So like now it's about me being my personal pride's on the line. What am I going to do? So, um, so one of the things, first of all, that comes, you know, confidence comes from a lot of different places. Uh, and, and physical health and feeling good is one of those easy places that you can get confident. And also spending time with loved ones, like uh, significance that, that, that know you and, and will speak into your heart in a good way. Like very important to surround yourself with, with having a, a core group to go back that you know where to go, who can lift you up. You know, peers, uh, we call them tribes, right? Who's your tribe you like to hang out with that can dust you off and, and, and get you some encouragement. You know, some people go to the church and their church provides that. Uh, your mentor certainly is a great spot for that. But, um, and I think, I think it's why you see so many people nowadays joining forum groups and discussion groups because you know what? Like when, when you're really good at something, business owners, high-level traders, um, you know, equity partners and companies, uh, professional athletes, it's rare air. And what they want to do is it's kind of somewhat, you know, they always say it's a little lonely at the top. That's right, because people can't identify with how good you really are, right? And, and the challenges and the pressures you sometimes feel and go through. But those in your position can, and they like nothing better than to join you in forum and encourage you through tough times. Like, because the, you know what? 
they've all been there and they wish they had seven people sitting around a circle going, Hey, Eddie, man, tough break. But listen, you're going to get back on your feet. You're going to be there. You know what to do. What are you doing right now? Let me encourage you. And all of a sudden you got people texting you on the phone, man. You're great. You know, encouraging. You're going to be all right. It's, 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 you're going to be good. You're going to get mm-hmm. through this. It's a little valley, right? Yeah, the thing is, you know, we've got trade communities, uh, mm-hmm. and we've got traders that, are, uh, one day they're, they're, they're kicking it. Next day they're receiving it. And, you know, it's really great to see the community get together when somebody is having success, patting them on the back, uh, when somebody's having a bad day and, and they're reaching out for help that you do see, uh, you know, the group, the community is one coming in and trying to help that trader or to give some ideas or maybe some uh, some references where they can get back on track. The other thing that I'll, I'll preface with this confidence thing is that have you ever been, Eddie, in a situation where you're running through something again and again in your mind and you're going, you know, I wish I would have. I, I, you know what I should have done there was, oh, now that I really dive into it, like what could I have done differently? And you, and you keep playing it, playing it and playing it in your mind. Have you been there before? You know what? <laughs> Just this morning. Yeah, it, right? It, all the time. Right. Yeah. It happens, right? So I tell folks, especially in the confidence game, like, you, let's consider the car, right? I, I have five kids, right? And so I have team. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Thank you. So I have uh, two boys that are of driving age and a third that's just starting here in a, in a few months here. And I tell them all the time, like, listen, if you have to back up, you back up the little amount that you can. You do not need to be looking through a rear view mirror and backing up any more than, than you have to, right? So when, when things go bad for you, like it is always decent to take a glance in the rear view mirror. I need to survey the scene, but then I'm ready to go forward and I'm ready to look out the big windshield. When, when, when I see people in confidence in their down, they are literally driving down the highway at 75 mile an hour backwards, trying to navigate the world through their rear view mirror. Like, you know how crazy that would be? So take a look in the rear view mirror and survey the scene and go, yep, I got it. I know what's there. Now I got to move forward. I'm looking out of the big windshield. There's a reason why it's literally 20x the size, right? We're going forward because that's what we need to do in our direction. Confidence moves forward. It doesn't go back. Let me ask you about your experience, what you have observed that sets an elite athlete apart. How does one become elite? It's it's a class where, uh, you know, everybody strives to be in. I want to be elite. I want to be unique. I want to be the best. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think there's some <laughs> there's some challenges in that, right? Like, uh, but but you know, for first of all, I mean, I like the fact if someone really wants to be elite, you know, I think one, you have good self awareness, know who you are, know who you're not, know what you do, what you don't do, like just, just stay focused on that, right? Um, two, they develop some leadership skills. Uh, three, um, they have very good communication. They know how to communicate with others, and they're not afraid to communicate with others. And and they're not afraid of conflict because they can understand through good communication we can have productive conflict. We can disagree and have that out. And, Eddie, as as two you and I, both um, emotionally intelligent, educated men, we can decipher our differences and and disagree, and, and we may agree to disagree, but we can have some productive conflict that I think will probably add value to both of our lives and, and actually produce something out of that conflict. All conflict's not bad. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so how do we communicate in that? Um, becoming really good at listening is, is a critical item because it, it drives humility, right? Like people who are arrogant talk all the time, right? And, and people who are humble, they're listening. They, they want to have the best responses for people. And good listeners are good leaders. Um, the other thing that they're driving, they have a personal drive for excellence, and they're very intentional about that. So, so they do things with intent in, in all things. So, so you have to be intentional about what you're doing and, and being able to compartmentalize your intention on those other things is really important too. Get away from the trading platform, right? And enjoy the beach with your significant, with your kids. And, and this is a victory. Don't check your phone every five seconds. Don't be intentional with your family. Like th- those are, those are key things. And I think anyone who's going to be, you know, the top, the top 3% in their life, they're going to have to persevere. A heavy point that you hit on target. And, you know, being a trader, a lot of us, now that we're electronic trading, trading online, uh, where we can trade just about 24-7, you know, we could trade all day if we'd like to. Um, being in the pit, you know, bell to bell, market closing, and you leave. We're always reminding traders that you need to log off, all right? There needs to be family time. Uh, you need to have that bond. And, uh, you know, we stress the fact on Fridays, all right, Turn it off. Don't look to turn it back on until we get back Sunday night or Monday morning. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you need the family. Now, one last question here, Trent, and this is probably the one I've been waiting to ask the whole time is um, success stories. All right. Uh, you've you've helped many a professional athletes. Now, can you share with us some of the success stories? with athletes that you have helped? Well, I think, yeah, I'd love to. There's a ton of them. So in brief, I I think like one of the things about that system, about being very good and diligent in in Cleveland that happened was we had a lot of athletes really get onto that and understand it. And then all of a sudden what happened was we developed a ton of major league talent, right? (laughs) And, And probably good scouting too, by the way. And so there was a lot of factors that came together, but all of a sudden we had a major league team in 1995, 1996, 1997, went to two World Series. We were great, right? And there was there was no room for these guys. We had like Russell Brannion, Jeremy Burnett, Brian Giles, Sean Casey, Bartolo Colon, Jarrett Wright, uh, Johnny McDonald, Tori Lovello, now manager of the Diamondbacks. I mean, like you had all these, these players. They were, they were great players. But like they weren't good enough to play on that team at that big league level. So we had them sitting in double AA, A, triple A, and, and tons of them got traded to other major league teams and made really good names and careers for other teams, including all-star games and all sorts of things. And no one ever looked at them and going, oh, that guy was a Cleveland Indian. Uh, you know, another one was like Tim Salmon. Tim Salmon was a great lesson. He was, um, he was signed, I think, in 2000 for uh, four year, $40 million. It was a lot of money and uh, $10 million a year. He had a terrible year his first year. <laughs> like, and, you know, and then, of course, you know, the fans are tough, right? Oh, he got a big contract. He didn't work. He didn't do this. So mentally, that's really tough on someone. But, you know, Tim, Tim, didn't, Tim didn't sit on it, right? Like he took a step back after the offseason, became very self-aware of who he is, and he's a very self-aware guy. And, and he got back to what's important. He got back to the foundation. He called me that off season and said, Hey, we both lived in Arizona at the time. He said, Hey, do you think you'd work me out a few days a week, every week, this, every week, this off season? And it was one of the best experiences of my life because I, I just watched the guy with work with an, 
you know, a fervent intent on everything that he did. And, and I watched him say, you know, this isn't going to happen again to me because I'm dusting myself off. I'm going to do all the things to prepare. And, um, in Oh two, right. We, we won the world championship. He was named comeback player of the year. <laughs> like, mm. So it's a lot of work. <laughs> well, Trent, I just want to say thank you very much for being with us here. And uh, before you go, I know the lines are now forming, no pushing, no shoving. Trent, where can we find you online? Yeah, so you can find me. You can email me anytime, Trent at LWCacademy.com, LWCacademy.com, Leading with Courage is the company. And then uh, I'm also at Trent at M, as in Mary, Power athletes.com so it's empower athletes but without an e actually in there right empower athletes mm -hmm. i'm at twitter at lwc underscore academy and i am on instagram at leading with courage coach and i'm always on linkedin trent m clark you can find me on linkedin and connect i uh i put a lot of things out i do webinars and of course people call me all the time for speaking engagements and coaching and uh workshops and love to love to go out and help folks and and help groups so uh anytime someone wants to chat uh they can they can that's how they can find me uh, traders this is the go-to coach all right um i had a wonderful time very privileged to have you on with us uh to to share your story, uh, to share your experience, for you to share ideas and wisdom with us. And we really appreciate that. There's just so much more to talk about, Trent. Yeah, I, I, there is a lot to talk about, Eddie, but I am so thankful and blessed that you have me on. I, uh, I really appreciate it. I hope uh, that all the traders out there gleaned a little information that may be useful for you where you're sitting. I mean, that is my ultimate goal is, is to help you get better in any way and, and be the best you can be. And, uh, I just uh, hope you'll do that in everything that you do. Right. So if you work hard and you have the passion, you will see success. Ladies and gentlemen, Trent Clark. Trent, all the best to you and the family. All right. You as well, Eddie. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Take care. And we're back. You know, Mike, having Trent on to explain and justify the hard work it takes to be able to experience success at a professional and amateur level. Uh, once again, this is proof that it takes a long trip. It's, it's a long hike uphill. You need your perseverance. You, you need the passion. Um, and that's going to get you to your goal a lot easier. Now, one thing, Mike, that we've talked about and we always mention is the 10,000 hour term. Mm -hmm. Now, that's echoed in the halls of trading numerous times here at Top Step Trader. Echoed in the halls of trading. It's echoed in any professional business, I think. Uh, and I'm glad, you know, it, Trent uh, was talking about that. It's it's very, uh, we talked about it in the, uh, before this, is about the chip away and, and, and the amount of work it takes to chip away at, at a big challenge. Uh, you know, 10,000 hours, uh, dedication, discipline, and, and focusing on those each and every day, you know, you're not doing this overnight. You're not doing it overnight. And the exciting part about it is that's okay. There's not a get rich quick out there. And if there is, stay away from it. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. So right. in, in the chip away game, the putting in the time and getting to where you want to be, I mean, that's special. That's very, very special, especially if you're passionate about the markets. It's, it's special. These these individuals and who Trent worked with was passionate about the game of baseball. And we're passionate about trading. We are athletes of the marketplace. So, you know, uh, another takeaway I, I heard from him that's very uh, close to the, you know, the trading world is being on the big stage and, and 
and and and that uh, you know at the top step world that's you know trading on the funded account. You've earned this opportunity. Now you're trading you know capital. You didn't have to contribute the capital. This is what you've earned. You got to this level. Uh, so you know the being on the big stage and not having performance anxiety and going out there and keep performing as as you did in the minors. Uh, call that the trading combine. So I took that 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 away and <clears throat> that really hit home with me and. There's two pains in life, the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. And when Trent talked about the pain of discipline, we talk about that in trading. Trading takes discipline and it is painful. The fear of missing out, got to overcome that. But I want to make the trade. I can't miss. You know, you got to you, you gotta focus on that one. That's that's a habit. You got a bad habit that that could be hurting your game. Now, if every ball player was the fear of missing out, they'd swing at every pitch. Now, we got to wait for our pitches. We've got to wait for our setups. We got to have the patience. You know, this is all discipline techniques that that are painful, but it is so rewarding. And you're holding that trophy at the end of at the end of your journey. And and actually, in trading, you're never at the end of your journey until you're done trading. But uh, you know, you're holding that trophy at one of the milestones of your journey, and you're you're rising it and pushing it pushing it really high. And you're not going to have that pain or regret because you went out there and you played at the at the level you could play at the maximized your ability. You know, maybe that wasn't two million dollars a year. Maybe it was two hundred, or maybe it was twenty. And twenty is totally fine. Uh, but it's finding out what level you can play out. But you got to have that pain of discipline and working on that every day to have that uh, delayed gratification of holding that trophy high. Uh, I see what you're talking about, too. And it, it could be so self-fulfilling. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you hit success and you know that you've given it everything you've got, you've did your best and uh, you've come out a winner. So that's awesome. You know. One of the things I want to talk about is Trent's resume. Uh, it's very impressive. He had to deal with uh, a lot of important people in important places. Uh, the people he talks to and gives encouragement and advice are in such stressful positions that seeing those people excel and hit new highs really establishes the great foundation. Now, you, we talk about the foundation. Talk about brick by brick. You know, we do the uh, uh, the relationship with baseball. Base hits. Get on base. Uh, we're always talking about... Uh, don't swing for the fence. And a lot of people understand that, you know, it's giving it all you've got uh, for one chance at uh, getting the win. And when we talk about a foundation, we mentioned uh, chip away. You're talking about chip away. Yeah. Talking brick by brick. Take it light. Uh, eventually, this adds up. Get on base. Base hits. Um, you put three base runners on, you get another base hit, that's another run. All you need to do is get another base hit to get another run. All you need to do is get another base hit to get. So uh, hopefully, you can visualize that and see what we're, we're, we're trying to get at. Now, with that great foundation, yes, you can overcome negatives and personal slumps, but you need to believe in yourself for that to happen. You need to believe in yourself. And going back to your last point, it is a grind. He mentioned in, uh, uh, enjoy the journey. Enjoy that journey. Uh, it's a grind. Jab, jab away at each and every day. And don't don't overestimate. Or I think what was the line? It was uh, everyone overestimates what they can do in a year, but people underestimate what they can do in ten. And that's kind of the exciting part is people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in time. So that chip away and do it. If you do that time after time after time, you know, you will, you hit areas in your, your career, your focus or, or your goals that are, are to your expectations and beyond. But you got to have that, the pain of discipline along the way to, to keep you going, to keep you fighting. 
you know, I'm watching the World Series here with David Price and the cameras on him. And I'm just thinking, I go, you know, a time in your life comes where you want to strive for the biggest experience of success possible. And this was his moment. And I, I was just thinking, you know what? I wish I could see a a stress level, a stress meter. What is going on inside this guy's head? Because, I mean, that, that's got to be the ultimate facing and, and being in that situation. And the same thing with trading. Sometimes, you know, uh, we're caught behind that eight ball. Sometimes we're way ahead of the eight ball. Sometimes we've, we've got the game in hand and uh, you're putting on winning trade after winning trade. It's just a Sometimes matter. Sometimes you put it in losing trade after, after losing, losing, trade, trade. losing trade and you're like, how do I even be- belong? I mean, there's times where pitchers probably getting shelled and, and, and uh, they have a, they have a coach or a mentor uh, that pulls them to the side and said, Hey, go hit the showers and don't worry and go live to f- live, live to trade another day, live to fight another day, live to pitch another day. Right. And the thing is also is, is what goes through their mind, you know, um, you know, how about giving up that grand slam bottom of the ninth, losing the game? I mean, you know, uh, that happened to the Cubs this year, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and I sort of turned things around and, and put myself on that pitcher's shoulder to see what he was growing through. Now, obviously in the clubhouse, you know, it, no, no biggie. It's fine. It happens. We'll get him back. Uh, he got lucky, you know. So these are things that as professional sports and professional trading, amateur trading, that we have to remember that we are going to be running into the wall. We are going to see these big losers. And we're also going to experience the big winners. Well, we're going to have, exactly, we're going to have both of those. Uh, losses are ordinary, necessary part of trading. So accept just it. accept it. Uh, there's going to be times where you have the bases loaded and and you're, you're way ahead in, in, in the game. You're up a bunch of money for the day, more than you ever typically have, uh, and it's uh, 11 a.m. And, and you're like, I got a whole rest of the day still to trade. And you trade the rest of the day, and you lose it all, and you go down money. There's a lot. There's teams that have done that before, that that have those games. There's teams that are down a bunch of money and bring it up, and and then they're up a m- bunch of uh, money. So now they're they won the game. So just look at that, and that's kind of how we do the analogies with baseball. Just keep playing the game. Keep putting yourself on base. Base hits win ball games. That's it. That's it. Cool. Yeah, and that that right there in the trading world, in the in the uh, professional baseball world, they go hand in hand. All right, traders. As always, thank you for spending time with us. And if you enjoyed this interview, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. It helps us reach new traders. Trade well. We'll see you next time, Mike. Take care, Eddie. Take care. Trade smart and always trade for tomorrow. You got it. Take care. Editing and post production of this episode was done by Dante Thirty Two. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.